This is a special Get Ready for Lent edition of Get Ready for Sunday, the podcast that looks mostly at scripture readings used in the masses of the Roman Catholic Church, but on occasion will throw in a little background on notable church practices outside of the liturgy. That's what this is. The next few minutes will be devoted to the season of Lent and its opening day, Ash Wednesday. This year, it's March 2nd. I'll upload a quick review of Ash Wednesday's scripture readings separately from this issue. Right here, I'll concentrate on the season of Lent itself. And if you've ever wondered if Ash Wednesday's practice of Christians marking themselves with ashes is directly contrary to what Jesus said about doing your prayer and almsgiving in secret, you might want to give a quick listen to that short separate episode. I'm Deacon Mark from Corpus Christi Catholic Church in Tucson, Arizona. To provide these brief sessions, I'm using the published works of genuine scripture scholars and thoughtful commentators. But fair warning, as always, All this information is sifted through my own little bitty brain. You probably can't hear it, but there's confetti landing on my head right now in celebration of the first anniversary of this modest podcast. It began at the suggestion of a member of my home parish who refuses to be thanked and who passes on all praise to, as he says, the real architect of the effort, our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been a listener for a while, thank you. If you've sent feedback, thank you even more. And if you're new, welcome. So, just in case there might be some new information for you, I'll start with a little background on the season of Lent. Lent is the fourth season of the Church's liturgical year, following Advent, Christmas, and our first segment of Ordinary Time. The Lenten season consists of a period of 40 days, beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending on the evening of Holy Thursday, before the Mass of the Lord's Supper. It includes six Sundays that are not counted as part of the Lenten fast. Traditionally, Ash Wednesday has been among the days of greatest attendance in our churches. We generally see more of our Catholic brothers and sisters than on a usual weekend, although the Church has not made this day a day of obligatory Mass attendance. It is, as my pastor Father Chris eloquently puts it, a holy day of opportunity. Additionally, there is almost always a sizable contingent of non-Catholic, even non-Christian men and women drawn to the liturgies of this day. There is something visceral about the public, communal recognition of our shared, fallible mortality. And everyone is welcome. Lent is not just a Catholic tradition. It is also observed in the Anglican Communion, Eastern Orthodox Churches, Oriental Orthodox, Lutheran, and Methodist Churches. And I'm sure there are others, I'm just not aware of them. But the roots of this season go deeper than the Christian church. The use of ashes as a sign of penitence and of a desire to restore right relationship between humanity and divinity shows up very prominently in the Hebrew scriptures. In the book of Job, Job says to God, I repent in dust and ashes. 
Of course, the reference to dust takes one back to the book of Genesis, where after Adam had sinned, God says to him, You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The term dust and ashes has been a millennia's-old symbol of the mortality of the human body. In the book of Daniel, we read of Daniel engaging in the common practice of Jews of his time, doing penance on behalf of his people as evidenced by his fasting, making the body uncomfortable with hunger, wearing sackcloth to make the body uncomfortable with irritation, and being covered in ashes as a recognition of mortality. When you hear of sackcloth, think burlap with lots of extra prickly parts. Sackcloth was a fabric to carry objects not meant to be worn. Fasting generally meant either abstinence from food or abstinence from both food and drink for a specified period. Among the other examples from the Hebrew Scriptures is one I am relieved to say the modern Christian churches have not seen fit to copy in its entirety. And that's the story of Esther, married to a pagan king who had determined to kill all Jews unless she could successfully intercede for them. To do so, she shed all her royal clothing and jewels, put on the humblest of clothes, tangled her hair, and covered her head with ashes and dung. But let's not dwell on that. Ashes alone are completely sufficient for me. To engage in these three disciplines, fasting, wearing sackcloth, and covering oneself with ashes was a common practice for members of ancient Jewish communities when entering into a time of intense prayer supplication, and repentance. The number 40 designating duration has deep roots in biblical storytelling. For example, the flood of 40 days through which Noah kept life safe. The 40 days Moses waited on Mount Sinai without food or water before receiving the covenant with God. The 40 days Elijah journeyed to his encounter with God, and of course, the 40 years of wandering in the desert before the Jewish people, over those 40 years made into a cohesive nation, were able to re-enter the lands promised to them. Our direct model for Lent, of course, is the 40 days Jesus spent in the wilderness, praying, fasting, and facing all the fundamental temptations to which all humanity is subject. Whenever you read 40 in Scripture, it signifies a period of trial, testing, and purification. Lent is our season of testing and purification over 40 days each year. The Church asks us to participate through intensifying our spiritual disciplines. Our lives are busy. We feel the pressures of personal responsibilities and of doing so in a disordered world. We are easily distracted from what is truly important and necessary, making Christ the focus of our lives. The goal of every Christian is to leave Lent a stronger and more vital person of faith than we were when we entered. 
Current mandated practices during Lent are very moderate compared to past practices. In years long ago, various Christian churches, Orthodox and Catholic, have had periods of fasting of 180, 225, and even 290 days of fasting each year. Those are big numbers. Now there are only two days of fasting and abstinence from meat that are mandated by the Roman Church. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, the only two days of the year. Note that our fasting is not a total abstinence from food or drink, but is instead a limit on how much we eat. Abstinence from meat is required on all Fridays during Lent, whereas before the reforms that were made by Pope Paul in 1966, abstinence from meat was practiced on every Friday of the year. Every Friday. But now you know where the practice of Friday fish fries comes from. In general, we seek to make Lent a personal and communal commitment to intensify both personal and communal practices of prayer, fasting and abstinence, and almsgiving. By prayer, we mean the conscious effort to be intentionally in the presence of God by both speaking our needs, our repentance, our praise and thanksgiving, and by spending time in silence, listening to the promptings of the Spirit. By fasting and abstinence, we mean first food. It is a general admonition also to break our addictions to or our distraction by things of the flesh. Hunger happens to be an extremely effective way to experience the difficulty of such withdrawal. Fasting and abstinence, however, could also include a dramatic elimination of whatever unnecessary consumption we do of just about anything. And by almsgiving, we mean charitable acts, sharing not just from our abundance, but even from our sustenance, so that we could, by doing that, ease the burden of the poor and suffering in our midst. Inside the church, there are some changes to make the season of Lent evident. The liturgical color of the season is purple, the color that's long associated with royalty. But it's also the color of regret and penitence. During Lent, priests and deacons wear purple vestments during Mass and other liturgies, and the church is decorated in purple as a visual reminder of the penitential season. As examples of self-denial, the church removes flowers and other ornamental decorations during this season. Often, churches remove or empty holy water fonts or fill them with rocks or sand to symbolize the desolation of being separated from God. Some churches will also cover statues or paintings with purple shrouds during all or part of the season. The Mass itself is subtly restrained during these weeks. We do not sing or say the great Gloria prayer at the beginning of Mass, and we do not sing or say the great Alleluia that precedes the reading of the Gospel. 
All the scripture readings during Lenten Sundays are thematically joined with a particular message each time that the Church emphasizes for us. Unlike ordinary time when the second reading is rarely related to the other readings, during Lent it will be harmonically balanced with the message in the Gospel. There is a bit of a break in the penitential emphasis of this season on the fourth Sunday of Lent, which is known as Laetare Sunday. This day offers a sneak preview of the joyfulness of the great Feast of Easter. Priests and deacons have the option to wear rose-colored vestments instead of purple on that day. The overall goal toward which Lent is oriented is acknowledgement of and repentance of our sins, that is, all of our thoughts, words, and deeds when we put self-gratification above all else. The goal goes far beyond a child's confession of stealing an extra dessert or something like that, punching brother or sister. It is not about merely apologizing for wrongs done. It is about changing our susceptibility to selfishness and, where possible, about doing the hard work of reconciling with those who have been alienated from us. It is also about recognizing that we overestimate our individual independence. It is about better understanding our dependence on God and our interdependence on one another. May we all have a blessed season of growth in spirit.